Good morning and welcome to Fusion City Church. My name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here. Uh, I have the, the privilege most weeks to, uh, to open God's Word as we have an opportunity to look together and figure out some things that maybe you and I can implement into our lives to, to better benefit us, to better benefit the kingdom that, that we as believers serve. And, and like Pastor Quentin said, man, if this is your first time hanging out with us, we're really, really glad that you chose to, to come and, and give us a chance to, uh, to see if this is something that you could be a part of as we work together to try and figure out what it is that God wants us to, to be and to do. And if, if, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, just kind of starting at the beginning of the year, we started off on this endeavor. We said that for this year, in 2015, we want to get stronger. And so what we're, what we're trying to, to determine or figure out during this series is how we can kind of put those pieces together in our lives, the people around us, those pieces and people and relationships and interactions and influences around us that can make us Stronger, And so last week we talked about the, the fa- kind of the foundation of friendship. We talked about this very, very real truth that if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Because the people that we invest in, the people that we spend time with, the people that we interact with have a direct influence on the direction and the purpose of our lives. So if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And that's the main thought as, as we're going to kind of frame this entire message series. It's around that idea that if we can take a look at who we have around us, who's investing in us and who we're investing in, then we can have a really good picture of the path that we're on and the purpose that we're fulfilling. fulfilling. Uh, I'm from the South, and so sometimes the words, they just kind of all run together. Um, so, uh, we, we said that this isn't something new that we came up with. This wasn't Pastor Brian's epiphany or whatever. This is actually something that the wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet, other than Jesus, all right, we kind of think Jesus was smarter, um, but the wisest man other than Jesus that ever walked in the face of the planet was a man named Solomon. And Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He said, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, what Solomon was saying was, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's what that means for all of us. I don't know if you had a mama like I had a mama. Well, I mean, we all, I, think, I hope that all of you had a mama. Um, if you're a clone, I would love to meet you. Just shake your hand and find out some more about you, but for for all of us, we had a mama, but maybe you didn't have a mama like mine, but here's what my mama told me, that she really cared about who I spent my time with because she was concerned because who I spent my time with would determine the path and the direction of my life. Mama was right, y'all. And for the, for, listen, students, uh, that's, that's all the, this ain't even Mother's Day and I'm getting an applause from the mamas. All right. So for, for the younger people in the room, for the young, listen to me, students, young people, you know, people not old like me or my mama, like she's older than me now. So like the reason mama cares so much about who you spend your time with is because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Now, adults, we don't have anybody around probably anymore to tell us who we should and shouldn't spend our time with. So as we walk through the course of the next three weeks in this series together and you begin to hear some things about the kind of people that you should have in your life, and the kind of people that you shouldn't have in your life, you got to decide for yourself and you got to make a decision of what kind of people you want around you because this is the truth. 
If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so today we're going to talk about maybe it is possible that you and I are just one friend away from changing the course of our destiny. You might be one, if you want to write this down, you might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Now, we're going to be today hanging out in the book of 1 Samuel and actually 1 and 2 Samuel. Before we get there, so you, you can turn there, but we're going to flip over to uh, the book of Acts. I want to kind of illustrate this point a little bit better with somebody that's kind of well-known in the church world. As a matter of fact, um, it, it's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote more than half of the, the New Testament, so more than half of the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. Paul wrote more than half of that. But... Paul's destiny, the destiny of Paul's life. And I almost, as I was kind of coming up with you know, a thought to think about, just to frame this or whatever, I, I hesitated to even use the word destiny. Because destiny kind of insinuates or, or would be descriptive of that we don't have a choice in the matter. But the reality is that our destiny can change based on the people that we spend our time with. And I believe that it's possible that just one friend, one different influence in our life may take our destiny. We're destined for one place and one purpose and one thing that we're going to end up as. And it may just take one friend to realign and give us a new destiny to change the direction and the course of our lives. And that was very true for the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wasn't always Paul. He's the artist formerly known as Saul. And Saul was an intense persecutor of the church, killing Christians, burning down churches, locking up men, women, and children who all, anyone who believed in Jesus, this Saul, this evil man would lock them up, throw them in prison, do away with them, ridicule them, persecute them. As bad as it could be for believers, Paul was the worst, uh, just totally lost. He was the worst enforcer of persecution on the Christian church in the early days. And so this is Saul. Now, Saul meets Jesus. All right, Jesus shows up to him, blinds him. There's a whole interaction. You should read it in the book of Acts. Like Everything happens, and Paul is now a believer in Jesus. And so Paul goes to the rest of the disciples and the rest of the apostles, the rest of the kind of big wigs in the, the early church, if you will. And he says, hey, guys, I love Jesus, and I want to preach about Jesus. Now, you can only imagine the skepticism in the minds of the people like, dude, yesterday you were killing Christians, and now you want to preach about Jesus. So you, you were killing people who love Jesus, now you want to preach about like So you can kind of understand their skepticism. But this is what happened for Saul. Jesus, not only when he met Jesus, Jesus changed his name. So it says this, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. It says, when Saul who would later be called Paul, arrived in Jerusalem. He tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. Like, no kidding, right? All right so that, but they were afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He told him that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles, went, around, went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And this Saul, who Barnabas vouches for, 
Barnabas goes to bat for Saul in front of the rest of the apostles, would eventually become Paul, who would write more than half of the New Testament, all because there was one friend, Barnabas, who was willing to put his reputation on the line to forever change the destiny of a man named Saul. So with that in mind, here's what I want us to take some time together today. If you're taking notes and want to follow along, I'm going to give you three types of friends that each of us need in our lives. Three types of people, and we're going to find each of these men in the life of King David. Now, King David was said to be a man after God's own heart, a man that God loved and that God had an intense purpose for and great things that God wanted to accomplish through David. But David wasn't always king. As a matter of fact, before he was king, he was the runt of the litter. And because he was the runt of the litter, he was very looked down upon, wasn't thought much of because he was the youngest of eight sons. There was a man named Jesse, had eight sons. David was the youngest. What David needed and what you and I need was a friend like Samuel, a friend who makes you better. If you're following along, you can write that down. One of the the friends that you and I need in our life is a friend who makes you better. Now, at the time of of David's anointing, we'll get to that in a minute, the, the current king of the nation of Israel was a man by the name of, coincidentally, Saul. All right, now, not the artist formerly known as Saul who would become Paul, a different Saul, a much older Saul, an Old Testament Saul. All right, Saul was the king of the nation of Israel who had been rejected by God. Saul began to do things according to his own plan. God didn't like it. God says, I'm done with this guy. God commissions the prophet Samuel to go and find the next and new king of Israel. And so he sends him to Jesse's house. All right. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He's like, hey, God told me that I'm going to find the next king of Israel in your group of sons, so bring them all out here. And so Jesse brings out seven of his eight sons. And one by one, starting with the oldest, Samuel looks at the, the oldest guy, and he's big, he's strong, he's got some dap, like he's, he's looking good, right? He's all GQ'd out or whatever. And Samuel's like, surely this is the guy that's going to be the next king of Israel. And so he kind of you know, steps back and thinks for a minute, and God says, no, not him. And then Samuel goes to the next son of Jesse, and God says, no, not him, and no, not him, and no, not And he gets through all seven of Jesse's sons, and every time God says, no, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. And all of a sudden, Samuel's like, Jesse? Uh, y'all seen the Geico commercial, right? He's like, uh, so, sorry, it's just a moment for me. He's like, so, Jesse, uh, do you have any more sons? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I got another one, but he's like the, he's the little dude out watching the sheep. And Samuel said, well, go get him and bring him here because God doesn't look at what man looks at. God looks at the heart. So, so what, what man sees is not what God sees. God sees differently. So it doesn't matter that he's the run of the litter. doesn't matter that he's the dude out keeping the sheep because he's the youngest person. That's what the youngest sons do. Go get that dude and bring him up here. Let me see him. And so Jesse goes and gets David, all right, brings him up to Samuel, and God says, that's the one. And this is what happens. Look with me, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully 
upon David from that day on. Samuel, through God's leading, saw something in David that nobody else could see. And because Samuel was able to see in David what man could not see, but only what God could see, Samuel was able as a friend to lead David to become the man after God's God's own heart that he would become. You and I need a friend who makes us better because they see in us what God sees. About, gosh, I guess it's been about 10 years ago now, maybe not quite that long, eight or nine, um, I had a friend. Uh, His name was Don Davis, and Don had come to be the interim pastor at a church that I used to lead worship for. I can't really say lead worship. I was a choir director. It was a little bit different than what, than what Jonah does. I like to equate the two and tell Jonah that I used to be a worship leader, um, but I, I don't play an instrument and I don't sing that well. Uh, I was a choir director, and so I was leading the choir at this church, and a man named Don Davis came to be the interim pastor at this church. And uh, he was just interim, part-time. Like he was just there to fill a spot until somebody else or whatever. But Don and I became great, great friends. And one day we were hanging out in the office or whatever, and um, Don just kind of pulled me aside, and he said, you know, Brian, I, I see something in you. And I believe that there's more God wants to do through you than he's currently doing. I kind of was kind of taken aback by that. I said, like, Don, what do you mean, man? Like, I'm leading music at a church. And we can't even get people to show up to church. I'm here every week, and I lead the music, and I lead the choir, and I'm singing, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm serving. The, like, who's serving the church? Like, what do you mean more? Don said, I don't know. I just know that there's more that God wants for you and wants from you. So I, I started praying through that and thinking about that. And the more that I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, and the more that I kind of just sought after God through that, the more and more miserable I became doing the job that I was doing. And it became ever clear to me that God had a purpose for me, that God wanted me to be a pastor. It never even crossed my mind. Never even had a fleeting thought of standing up in front of people, opening God's word and teaching through the Bible. Now I do it every week now. And it seems like kind of the the, the norm for me and probably the norm for, for most of you that come each week. But there was a day and time where doing this was the furthest thought from my mind. But it took a friend of mine looking into my life and saying, Brian, I see something in you. I see what God sees. And what I see is a man that's destined for more than you're doing right now. And because of my friendship with Don Davis, he has forever changed the course of my destiny. I would have never been a pastor, I don't believe, if it wasn't for, the, for God putting a man in my life to speak wisdom and truth and to say, I see something in you that you don't even see. As a matter of fact, after, after I began to understand that God was calling me into ministry and all this, and kind of starting off on this new track and trying to figure out what this looks like and how I do it, I realized that I was going to have to quit that job that I was becoming increasingly miserable doing. And I didn't know how I was going to provide for my family because the church only paid me as a part-time employee. And so Don said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He's old. I mean, Don's old. He's retired twice, once from the Air Force, once from Cannon Mills. He said, you know what? I don't even need the money church, the church has given me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, not the church. I personally am going to give you my paycheck every month so that you can afford to quit your job go to school, and become the man that God wants you to be. 
that's friendship. That's the kind of friend that makes you better. The kind of friend that sees something in you that even you don't see. Something that God sees. It's a verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17. This is what it says. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And it was because of my interaction with a man who's very, he's a mentor to me to this day. Because of my interaction with him, because of my friendship, I now have changed the course of my, I will forever, I cannot do anything other than be a pastor. This is my life's purpose and calling. But I don't think I would have ever realized it as, as clearly as I did if it weren't for the influence of a friend who made me better. So let me ask you, church. Do you have friends in your life that are making you better? You see, we often don't think about choosing our friends. Our friends kind of choose us, right? It's the, it's the buddies that we work with. It's the guys that we, we hang out with at the office or the ladies that are the other moms on the soccer team of the, of the, the team that our kid plays for. Like we, we get to know them through common interaction. They just kind of become friends. We don't choose friends. They just become friends. Or maybe at school, it's the, you know, you get sat beside of somebody else. The teacher assigns your seat and you end up sitting next to somebody. And you're like, well, I got to talk to somebody, so I guess it'll be you. And then you kind of become friends over just the course of general interaction and commonality of where you get sat in class. We don't typically choose our friends. But what I'm saying, church, is that maybe we need to start. Because each and every one of us may be one friend away from changing the course of our destiny. And all of us need a friend who can make us better. The second kind of friend that you and I need is a friend like Jonathan in David's life. And Jonathan was a friend, is the kind of friend who helps you find spiritual strength. We said that the mission of our church in 2015 is to get stronger. I believe that the quickest way and the best way that you and I get stronger, maybe not the best, but one of the best ways, is by putting people around us that give us spiritual strength. Now, I told you that Saul was the current king of the nation of Israel Saul begins to find out that, um, that David is gaining influence in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, all the ladies were kind of vibing on David, right? They thought David was the stuff. They started, these ladies started making up songs. They're like, oh, Saul kills his thousands, but David kills tens of thousands, right? And so Saul is finding out that all the people in the nation of Israel are starting to really be drawn to David. All the women want to be with David. All the men want to be David. And Saul starts to get insanely jealous and angry to the fact that he's ready to kill David just to get rid of him so that all this talk about how great David is would go away. And oddly enough, it's Saul's son, Jonathan, that comes to David to encourage him. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 15. It says, one day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. You see that? You see what Jonathan did for him? Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel. And look at this. I will be next to you, as my father, Saul, is well aware. 
So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Now, I told you already that David is known as a God after, or a man after God's own heart. David was very connected to God. We would, we would define that maybe as very spiritually mature. But even the most spiritually mature individual can get down, they can become afraid, they can get anxious or worried. And it's in those moments that we need friends around us that can help us find our spiritual strength, that will come to us and not just pray for you, but pray with you. Jonathan said, I'm going to be next to you. So let's you and I get together. Let's renew our covenant, our pact before God that you and I, we're always going to be together. I'm always going to be here for you. And I'm not just going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to stand beside of you. And you and I, we need that kind of interaction in our lives. We need those kind of people that will come, hold our hand, put a hand on our shoulder, cry with us when we're hurting, pray for us and with us when we are desperately seeking after God for direction and vision for our lives. We need those kinds of people. They're important in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes when I get down, when I get a little bit depressed, when I'm feeling a little blue, a little sad, sometimes I just kind of like to wallow in it a little bit. Anybody else? Like, you know, that whole, like, yeah, misery sometimes, we, we just want to kind of sit there for a little bit. And I've got several men in my life, not, not the least of which are, are Pastor Jonah and Pastor Quentin, and several other pastor friends. And here's, here's the problem when hanging out with pastors all the time. All right, let me tell you what's wrong with us. We always got a verse. Pastors always got a verse for something that's going wrong in your life. And I can, I just be you know, lamenting, you know, just kind of pouring out like, man, I can't believe this is happening. And I just want to feel sorry for myself. You know what I mean? Kind of asking them to feel sorry for me for a minute. And Pastor Quentin or Pastor John, they'll drop a verse on me. And I can't argue with it because it's the Bible. Like, I, man, I, I can't even argue with it. Can you just let me be sad for just a And they won't. They won't let me be sad because they're the kind of friends in my life that are there to make me find or help me find my spiritual strength. And it's in those moments when I just want to wallow in self-pity and eat a jug of ice cream and, you know, gain a bunch of weight and wear sweatpants and all that other kind of stuff that I don't really do when I'm sad, but it sounds funny. Like all that stuff that I just want to do to feel sad about myself, I can't even do it because I got friends that help me find my spiritual strength. They don't let me stay down. You need those kind of friends too if you don't already have them. We need friends that will help us find our spiritual strength. We need those friends that always got a verse. We need those, those, those friends that, that look into the Bible and find these encouraging things to remind us that God's always with us. And he's never going to leave us or forsake us or, or let us go or, or any of that. We need those friends in our lives that are there to encourage us to not only pray for us, but to pray with us. And if you don't have that kind of friend in your life right now, you may very well be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. The third friend that you and I need is a friend like Nathan. Nathan was a friend of David who told him the truth. We need friends that will tell us the truth. Now, David is now the king of the nation of Israel. He has all these, all the land that he can amass, all the riches that he could ever dream of. He's the king of an entire nation. He's got everything at his disposal. 
All right, and I told you earlier, all the women wanted to be with David. This is at a time where, you know, multiple wives and concubines and all that other kind of stuff wasn't nearly as looked down as, as it is now. And so David had all the women he could want and all the riches he could want and all this other kind of stuff. But there was one woman who was married to another man that David desired. And so David commits adultery with her. Her name was Bathsheba. And David sees her, lusts after her, and eventually commits adultery with her and Long story short, you should go and read it. It's in the book of 1 Samuel. Long story short, David has her husband killed to cover up the adultery and and subsequent pregnancy that she's she's pregnant. It's a whole big melodrama soap opera thing. David has her husband killed as a cover-up. And so Nathan, speaking on behalf of God, comes to David and tells him a story. And here's the story. He said, David, let me tell you a story about a man. There was a man who had all the lamb and sheep, that he had hundreds and hundreds of sheep, very, very rich man, very wealthy. Uh, I, I wish that we still counted wealth by how many sheep you had. That would be cool, but we, it's not the same. This man was very, very wealthy because he had all the sheep that he, that he could ever imagine. And then there was another man, a poor man, who had one sheep. And this sheep wasn't just like a, a head of sheep. Or what, it wasn't part of the herd. I don't even know what you call like a, a herd of sheep. I don't know if that's right or not. But like he didn't have a lot. He had one. It was like a pet. The Bible says that the, the, the sheep was like one of his children. He loved the sheep, loved the lamb, cared for it, kept it inside at winter, might even slept in the, the bed with him. I don't know. Like that would be weird. But like so whatever it was, loved the lamb. And a traveler came and visits the rich man. And the rich man wants to feed his guests. But instead of taking one of his many sheep that he doesn't really care about, he goes and finds this poor man, takes his sheep, has it slaughtered to feed his guest, the traveler. David, here's the story. He goes, what? Matter of fact, I'll read it instead of just telling you the story. This is what David says. Look with me, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5. It says, David was furious. And he makes, a, he makes a vow. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And then look at verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Tricked him, but he told him the truth. You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed. We need friends that are willing to tell us the truth, to speak truth into our lives when we are on the precipice or when we have done something stupid that we need to correct. And just like Nathan, I've had friends in my life that have had the relational capital with me to be able to speak truth in my life and redirect and, and, and change the trajectory 
of my life, of my finances, of my marriage. It's been several years ago now, but um, I was on the phone with my wife, Erin, and I'm, I'm kind of moody sometimes, and, I, and I'm, I can, I'm working on it, but I can have a little bit of a short fuse, and so I was in a bad mood with a short fuse, and I, don't, I, I couldn't even tell you now, it's been probably seven, eight years ago, I snapped, and in the presence of a friend of mine on the phone with my wife, I yelled at my wife, I was harsh with her, I was rude, just, I mean, as, as bad as it could have been, it was bad, and I got off the phone, I hung up. And I began to tell him my story. Man, I can't believe she said and she did and whatever. He said, Brian, I don't care what she did. But if you're going to stand and proclaim to be a man of God and to believe God and to love Jesus, if you're going to say, if you're going to stand and say that you are who you are, man, who in the world are you to talk to your wife like that? Your sharp tongue may very well cost you your marriage if you're not careful. Now, I'd love to tell you in my perfection that um, from that day on that I've never spoken sharply or harshly to my wife, and it's, it's not true. Um, I still, I'm still kind of moody, and I still have a relatively short fuse. But I'm a whole lot quicker to apologize to my wife now when I do that. And I'm, I'm more resistant and hesitant to do that at all because I always remember a friend of mine who loved me enough to tell me, if you don't change how you treat your wife, you may very well lose her. And he said, I know what that would do to you because I know how much you love her. But you got to change because the way you're doing it is not right. And in the same way that I had a friend of mine willing to speak truth into my life, you need friends who are willing to speak truth into your life because it may just be that friend that's willing to tell you the truth that saves your marriage. It may be that friend willing to speak truth into your life that keeps you out of bankruptcy. It may be that friend in your life willing to tell you the truth that helps you avoid an addiction that you don't have yet. So let me ask you, church, do you have the kind of friend in your life that's willing to tell you the hard truth? Because if you don't, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 and 6, it says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So let me ask you this question. This is the, if I, if I could frame the application for this message, like what do we do with this? How do I think about this? What do I, what do I, what do I take away? What are the handles that you, that you can put on this and carry it out of here with you? It's this. You got to ask yourself the question, who are my current friends? Who, last week we, we did this exercise where I asked you to write down on a piece of paper your five closest friends, not counting the imaginary ones, your dog or your spouse. And of those five closest friends to your life, what trajectory are you on? Because this is, I, I can't tell you what your destiny is. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But here's what I do know. That with the, the friends that you have right now, the only thing that you are destined for is more of the same. Now, for a lot of you, that, that's not a bad thing. 
For, for, for a lot of us in the room, I have some great friends. And the more of the same that I get to experience is a life where I have friends who love me enough to tell me the truth, friends who love me enough to come and help me find my spiritual strength, and friends who see in me what God sees in her there to help make me better. So the friends that, that I have, that, that's a good thing for me. I want more of the same because, because of the friends that I have, I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. And the same thing is true for a lot of you. You've got fantastic friends that make you better, that they are there to encourage you when you get down and you've got friends that love you enough to tell you the truth when you're doing something stupid a lot of us in the room have those things in place and that's a good thing but I'm not foolish enough to believe that there isn't one here or several here man you need some new friends you need some friends in your life that love you enough to speak the hard truth because it may just be that conversation that keeps you out of some real trouble And you need some friends to come alongside you and pray with you and to hold your hand and and cry on your shoulder as you cry on theirs. And pray with you, not just for you, and to quote scripture to you and to tell you that God hasn't forgotten about you and that God loves you. Because you're going through a difficult time right now. You need somebody. You need those friends that can help you find spiritual strength. And some of you, man, there is a path and a destiny for your life that God wants, and that's not the path that you're on. And you need a friend that sees in you what God sees, not what you see or what any other man sees. You need somebody that can speak into your life and say there's more. And for a lot of you, you know there's more. You look at your life and you know that there's something missing. And maybe you're just that one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Part of the role of our church, if you're going to become stronger in the year 2015, part of our role is to help you on that journey. We want to help you make friends, and not just any friends, but friends that will make you better, friends that will help you find spiritual strength, and friends that will tell you the truth. And if I could just be kind of, I don't know, blunt, honest or whatever for a minute, you can't make those friends by coming in here on Sunday mornings. It's really difficult to make friends when, all, when we all come together and a couple hundred of us sit in a seat and I'm the only one who gets to do most of the talking. Like, I'm not making any friends by me doing all the talking. That's not friendship. That's teaching. And that's what we do on, on Sunday morning. We come together and we sit in there some teaching. We all learn together. But that's not relationship building. That's listening. It's a big difference. So we, ha- we place a ton of emphasis here on our connect groups because those are the environments where it's not just one person talking, it's everybody talking. It's developing friendships and deepening and strengthening relationships so that you can find those people that are willing to tell you the truth, to help you find spiritual strength, and to see in you what God sees. Now, today is your first opportunity to sign up, to join, to become part of a connect group. And I'm telling you, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. If you don't have those three types of friends in your life, and I would say multiples of those types of friends in your life, a great place to find them is in a Fusion City Church connect group. Pastor Quentin's going to be up here in a few minutes. He's going to give you some more details on how you do that. 
My role is to tell you how important that it is for your life. Because if you don't have those three types of friends, there's a really good chance that you are destined for an end result that is not what God desires for your life. And because I'm your pastor, and because I love you enough to tell you the truth, I'm telling you, you need to be part of a connect group. You need to start trying to find a way to choose your friends, not just allowing life to choose your friends for you. A great place to find those, a very intentional way to begin and build new relationships is in a connect group. So let's pray together. Let's ask God to show us the decisions that we need to make so that we can begin to find the people that we need to put into our lives so that we can put ourselves on the path to the destiny that he desires for us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity that we've had to look into the life of David. And Father, to begin to make the decisions now in these moments to search out and find those relationships that will lead us to the destiny that you desire for our lives. So Father, now in this moment as we commit together, as we pray together, God, would you give us the boldness to maybe try something new. God, for those that haven't been in a connect group, I understand. It's, it's not the easiest of decisions to make to, to sign up and agree to show up at somebody's house that you don't know, to hang out with a bunch of people that you don't know. But God, the great thing is that even when we don't know the person's house that we're going to, or we don't know the people that we're going to spend time with, God, the one thing that we do know is you. And because we know you and because those that we're going to meet with at a connect group or either know you or trying to know you, God, we got something in common. We've got a starting place. We've got a foundation to begin building relationships in our life that we need. God, you created us to be relational people. Because, God, we know that the one relationship that you want us to crave more than any other is the one with you. So, God, if there is one here this morning that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your son, Jesus, who the Bible tells us sticks closer than a friend, more like a brother, that Jesus is our friend who loved us enough to carry the weight of our sin to a cross and to die so that you and I could have a relationship with the one true God. So Father, if there is one here this morning that hasn't put their trust in your son, who hasn't begun a relationship with him that leads to an eternal life with you, God, I pray that this would be the moment of decision, that today in the quietness and the stillness of this moment, that God, their heart would cry out to you and say, God, I know that there is something missing in my life. And while it may be friends, God, the greatest need that I have is you. So Father, today I commit my life to following after you. I believe that your son Jesus died for me, that he came back to life three days later as an act and demonstration of his power over sin, his power over death, his power over the grave, so that I may be able to be called a friend of his and a son of yours. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into this place, to hear your word proclaimed, to make decisions and commitment so that our lives can become stronger in you. 
God, that we have the opportunity to lift our voices in song, to praise your name, the name that is higher than any other name, above every other name, worthy, more worthy than every other name. God, you are to be glorified in our lives because you're the only one that's worthy. So God, now as we commit together to, to begin making those relationships, as we commit to join a connect group, and God, as we lift our voices to you, we pray that you'd be honored by our commitments, our decisions, and by our praise. For God, you are worthy of it, and we love you. We pray it in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.